Hey, what's up, Geekscape is surprise. I'm back from Brazil. I know, I took three weeks off to go and uh, film a movie. And the movie's still filming, but I'm here back in the United States because, um, well, it's not my movie. My friend Guy, who some of you guys may have met uh, at Comic-Con, he came out to Comic-Con with us this past summer, and I think the summer before, is directing his first film. He asked me to co-write the film with him and help him produce it, and we were filming in Brazil, which is Guy's native country. Uh, I can get into it in a later episode of Geekscape when Geek comes back to the U.S., but they're still shooting through the first, so please uh, keep your fingers crossed that they're doing okay without me. <laughs> they were doing fine before I got there. They were doing fine then. Brazil's amazing, and I can talk about Brazil in a later uh, episode and would love to, but it, I should probably do it with Guy, who is a, a pretty incredible filmmaker, and it was awesome to see him work. I haven't even told you guys about uh, Stan Lee's Comic-Con, which uh, I did the weekend right before getting on a plane to the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, so there's a lot of catching up to do with Geekscapists, and I'm sorry that I ignored you guys for three weeks, but I'm back in the States, and I'm trying to correct it. Stanley's Comic-Con was amazing. I, I don't know if you guys follow uh, me on Facebook, or, or maybe check in on the Facebook uh, Geekscape account, but every now and then I was pub putting up pictures of some of the panels and panelists that I met, with people like Mike Coulter from Luke Cage, uh, Dominic Purcell from Prison Break. We had, uh, uh, really, again, third year in a row that uh, I sit down with Rob Liefeld, and we talk about Deadpool, uh, so that's all fun, but... And of course, there's Stan Lee. It's my favorite convention. We had a lot of fun. We met a lot of you guys there. Uh, and I met a ton of cool people. One of them is sitting right next to me. His name is Andrew Rader. He's like a space guy. I don't know how else to describe you, Andrew. I just know that like as we were setting up our booth, you came by and we're just shaking hands, kind of getting the lay of the land there on the convention floor. And we talked about your children's book and we talked about Mars. Uh, and you had put out a children's book already called MC Longneck's Epic Space Adventure. Uh, it's out there. Uh, what's your website, Andrew? AndrewRader.com. There's a hyphen between Andrew and Raider. Okay, so AndrewRader.com. He's also on Twitter. Uh, and I just know you as like a guy who's intensely informative and smart about space. And you've got another children's book that you're putting together right now. It's Mars, Mars Rover Rescue, and it's on Kickstarter. Uh, and guys, there's some cool stretch goals. So even though Andrew's kicking ass with this Kickstarter, and the book is going to happen, so if you want to invest in a sure thing and get a children's book, Go for it. You'll, you'll probably get it sometime in 2017. No, actually, before Christmas. You'll get it before Christmas. Yeah. So, Geekscapist, if you have kids in your life uh, that you think would love an epic space adventure in the children's book, uh, it's actually a sequel to uh, MC Longneck's Epic Space Adventure, go to this Kickstarter. Look for Andrew Rader on Kickstarter. Go to in, in, in put in this put in some money. You're going to get a, a children's book. And uh, hopefully you'll add it into some stretch goals, which would be really cool. Um, why? Let's just get into it because we have a lot to talk about. Because I missed three weeks. Um, why Mars? Like why space? Like like did you grow up just loving space? Where did you grow up? Massachusetts? No, I grew up in Canada. Canada. Yep, Canada. So there's a Canadian here working in the U.S. as part of the Cana uh, part of the space program here. I, sp I spent about 12 years in the U.S. and most mm -hmm. of the time was in Boston because I went to school at MIT. So MIT. that's where you get the Massachusetts from. Yeah, you do in your I came to your California. Phone. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Massachusetts right. also, yeah, yeah. So I came to California about three years ago, working at SpaceX. Now we're building the you know, missions to actually go to Mars. And that's and Elon Musk's company. It is, yeah. And uh, I'm yeah, stay it's, here. I'm it's really exciting. No, I mean, tell Elon I'm only going to get a car. I'm going to stay right here on the ground. Okay. <laughs> I'm only, only going to get like <laughs> well, a Tesla. most people will. It's it's going to be really kind of impossible to launch everyone to Mars, right. but hopefully people will go to Mars in our lifetime. Uh, it'd be the first time we've ever been to another planet. You know, we've been to the moon. That's sort of a big rock in space. Sure. But Mars is uh, different from the moon. It's, it's a planet in its own right and has seasons. It has weather. It has an atmosphere. It's a very thin atmosphere. Uh, it has water. It, it has, uh, you know, a day length that's very similar to Earth. So what the is cycle, it? is it's it's 24 20? hours and 39 minutes. Oh, that's more than I thought I was going to say. It was like 26, 28. No, so it's very, very close, right? So, you know, in some sense, plants would be able to function in their normal cycle, their sunlight. Where it was plants the moon. that we bring. Yeah. yeah, plants that we bring. Oh, there's no plants there now, right, we right, think. Right. Uh, but plants that we bring would be able to function with their normal cycle, and humans too. So they'd sort of be offset a little bit, and they, it would gradually, their day would gradually shift. Uh, it has years, so Mars's year is about two Earth years long. Uh, so there's uh, seasons in the same sense, and the seasons are about twice as long as our seasons, right? right? Uh, so, I mean, it has all the sort of resources, the mineral resources of, that a planet would have. I feel like I'd be less jet lag going to Mars than I was from Brazil. 
Uh, <laughs> like, well, it depends, I guess, what part of Mars you landed on, because if you landed at the same day, but right. yeah, of course, it's like more than a six-month trip, so you'd have plenty of time to get used sure. to it. Uh, what you would be is gravity lagged, actually, because okay. yeah, there's different gravity. It's 38% gravity, so it's a lot lower. You can jump a lot higher. Right. But it's the level of gravity. So we've never had people in reduced gravity for a long time. We've had them right. in effectively zero gravity what's the longest on the space somebody was station. On the, what's the longest somebody was on, like, on the moon? Well, the longest someone was on the moon is uh, almost a week. A week? Yeah, almost a week. Uh, But the longest someone's been in space is about uh, 14 months, so over a year. Okay. That was a Russian on Mir. What effects did that? Yeah, so in zero-G, you basically adapt to those conditions. So there are all kinds of things that are negative for coming back to Earth. But for being in space, it's totally fine. You're actually just getting used to it because you can, like, fly through the space through the air on the space station, right? Right. So you don't need your legs anymore. So you start losing muscles in your legs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like being in bed for a long period of time. You atrophy. Your muscles atrophy, your bones lose minerals, and and they uh, become lighter. Is that vitamin C that it loses? Uh, No, calcium. 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 Yeah. Um, So your your bones and muscles atrophy, your heart gets a little weaker because it doesn't need it. That's the thing. You're shedding your unneeded body functions. But, of course, then when you get back to Earth, you know, you have trouble walking, mm-hmm. your balance changes too. So like your brain, so you, everyone has seven, seven senses at least. It depends right. how you measure it. But, you know, we talk about the sixth sense, but really there's at least seven. There's okay. two balance senses. Well, crazy. Yeah. Okay, so there's, there's, we have our five senses. That yeah. like, the sixth sense, the one with uh, the ghost kid, I know that one. No, well, that's not uh, a real one though. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? The one with, wait, seeing dead people isn't real? Uh, well. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, wait. It's not so, accepted <laughs> by scientific literature. Let's say okay, that. So, so there's a balance sense. Right. There's two senses two of balance, senses actually. Balance. Yeah, so we those have are the uh, extra two. Yeah, those are the extra two, and there, there's also more depending on how you measure it. I mean, you could say that there's thermoception, it's like a little you can blurry measure temperature. There. Now you're just saying everything's a sense. You just well, want to be a superhero. In a sense, you can sense temperature, right? Sure. So where's that captured on the others? Is that touch? It's actually would, different uh, from why touch. Would it not, why would it not be touch? Because it's distinct neurons that sense temperature. You have thermoceptors that actually measure temperature, right? So okay. it's different than just pressure. So you actually have different receptors. And those neurons are not on what you would say it has to be part of our epidermis for us to, and those neurons are not there? Or what do you mean? No, they are. What so I'm saying is that, that you have two distinct senses in your skin. Sure. Right? So you have pressure, which is like touch, but you also have temperature sensors in and your skin. And how is touch? Because it's not that, because you could have like, uh, hold a <laughs> light bulb close to your uh, arm yeah. and you could sense the heat from that light bulb, but, that but it's not pr- touching you. But isn't that pressure from just the... No, not enough pressure to measure. So it did, the light bulb it, does I mean, give it, off photonic pressure. In the, yeah, wouldn't like you think the sun. That isn't heat? Yeah, pressure. And it's not pressure, though. No, it's radiation uh, directly on your skin. No, it's, it, there is pressure, but it's below Those the, waves. Oh, so those waves don't hit the threshold to be... They're not measurable. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like a solar sail. You need like a one kilometer by one kilometer solar sail to be able to actually have four newtons of force, which is so, less than one pound. So we like, all have like extra senses now. We're, we're like the X-Men. Yeah, everyone like, has more We're like senses. lazy yeah. X-Men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of those start to suffer first, or those suffer right. those so what, to suffer first when you're in zero gravity? So, well, your touch wouldn't change. But what right. happens is you really adapt to the environment, right? So what happens is when we walk around, our sense of balance, we can walk in the dark without falling over because we constantly have this sense of uh, what is down. We yes. have this 1G sensor that tells us what is down. You can tell which way is up and which way is down sure. without having any you know, visual yeah. cues or anything like we'll that. We'll still right? sub our toes, but we can't. Yeah, but we won't fall over. Right, but, but in space, because you don't have that, your brain, like the uh, mm. control functions in your brain, actually change their gain. Like they, they right. change the, the um, control feedback so that you lose that sense of what's up and what's down because there is no sense of so what's up and what's down. So in the pitch blackness of space or if the, like, everything wants to go out in the ISS and you're trying to find a door, you can really only do it by guiding yourself against a wall. Right. In fact, they color code the floor and the ceiling because there's no like native floor and ceiling. Like who knows right. what's a floor and what's a ceiling in space? Like right. there's no such thing, right? right? It's just all around. It's just like four different walls. What's the code for... What, what are the colors? Uh, it, de- it depends on like really what space station and, and what room and stuff like that. But, but and it's ba- complete common sense, but we don't think about that stuff yeah. because we're all dictated by Earth. You need a this way is up arrow yeah. or something like that because there's no... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're creatures of Earth. We're perfectly um, adapted to, to our environment and we go to a different environment. Our bodies have 
a surprising amount of flexibility to sure. adapt to a different environment that we never experienced before in our evolutionary history. Well, you, it's amazing. You, it, but you hear about them finding like the skulls of, of races off the side, off the, like the coast of South America who are like major fishing cultures, and their the, the the ear holes had started to close up because they were being able to to, to dive deeper and deeper, and you find you start to find those skulls of. More, you know, I, I don't want to say they're permanent cultures. I mean, they're, they're they're still in existence, but you start to see that the, their skulls start to adopt, adapt to getting their food in deeper water. Sure, yeah. Or uh, in Peru, people are live live at high altitudes that sure. we couldn't tolerate for long periods of time. You know, people over time. I mean, our species is changing, right? Over time, we're getting taller. Mm -hmm. um, and on Mars, we probably get a lot taller because then there's no gravity gradient to, um, you know, hold us down. Really, sure. so people might in a couple thousand years. The inhabitants of Mars, who were previously human, might be like 10 feet tall. That's crazy. And then they come to the U.S. and get a nice NBA contract. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Mars, the Mars basketball team is going to be fantastic. Insane. They're going to they have to raise the nets to 20 feet. Right. But it's like going to play in Denver or Utah. You have that, you, you have that problem of going up to like a mile-high city and having the air. Well, you couldn't play outside. You have to play in, in an enclosed right. arena for now, for, for about 1,000 years until we bring oxygen to Mars. And wh what's the story there? And, and, uh, and that, you're just talking as an engineer, so obviously like, you're not speaking for SpaceX or anything like that. And I think it's super cool that you work there. But just as a, this is stuff that just engineers who talk about space think about. And I've never had somebody like you on the show, because so I'm super curious about terraforming Mars because I mean what is the basis of, of your children's book is your basis of children's book entertainment or with some education about Mars or like well, if well, somebody goes to the Kickstarter and donates right now like what do they expect uh, to, to, to receive in the mail before Christmas yeah so definitely both um, right. I think it would make an excellent kids series actually what, what I think it's sort of Star Trek for kids okay so you have a diverse crew in the Mars Rover Rescue we now have four characters a panda, an elephant, a zebra, and a giraffe. So it started sure. with the giraffe because everyone loves giraffes because they're pretty cool. I like giraffe, like, yeah. Giant neck and stuff. It's the weirdest animal. And it's only going to get taller when he stays on Mars. Exactly, yeah. So they go to Mars to rescue a rover. Um, it's kind of like the Martian for kids, I would okay. say. So it's it's hard sci-fi in a sense. Gizmodo did a really good piece on it, and they said this book will make you your kids want to colonize Mars. And is there in, in, is there a Kickstarter reward level where if you go to get this second book and you donate to the second book, you get the first book as well? Well, yeah. So you can buy like multiple books through the Kickstarter and you can specify whether you want the first book also. So sure. say if you buy two, you could say, I want one of each. Or if you buy three, you could say, I want two of the second one and one of the first. Yeah, so that, that, yeah. that, I mean, that might be helpful for anybody yeah. who thinks about this as, the, like, as the like first, a holiday gift. Yeah, yeah. The first Epic Space Adventure is a tour of the solar system. So it's kind of trying to show kids that it's not just the planets like kids often memorize the names of the planets yeah. but you know our our solar system is really diverse and the most interesting places are the moons of the gas giants like titan has an atmosphere thicker than earth low gravity it's 17% of earth gravity so you could because so you said how much 17 17% so if you uh, because of the thick air it gives you more lift and the lower gravity means you know you can jump higher. Right. Uh, if you flap or, or if you strap on wings, you could actually flap your arms and fly yourself like a bird. <laughs> you could be a bird on Titan. You know, I, I don't want to say anything about like your, your boss or your whatever program you're working on, but let's can we skip Mars and just do that? No I'm kidding. That's super far. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's the other thing. I mean, in, in a thousand years, is that the next logical step beyond Mars? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that so Mars is the best place we can get to t with our present technology, right. right? So it's somewhere we know we can get to. And we're just getting there to like, because we're going to trash the shit out of this planet, right? Like we're just going there to like trash that planet. Oh, I Next. certainly hope not. Although, um, one thing about <laughs> His, Earth, obviously, climate change disagree. is a huge issue right. on Earth, right? right? So carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases, sure. uh, methane and ammonia, ones that are a thousand times more powerful than carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. The greenhouse effect that is a disaster on Earth would be what we, exactly what we need for Mars. Okay. So what we need to do to heat up Mars is actually to create a greenhouse effect. Right. And then once the temperature is right and, the, and you have the atmosphere saturated yeah, with, so, the, with the proper... Yeah, pretty much. So what happens is you start warming up the atmosphere. So you, you thicken up the atmosphere, create a greenhouse effect. It traps more of the solar radiation, heats up the planet, and Mars has huge polar ice caps, sure. and much of that polar ice is dry ice, CO2. Right. So you start melting that carbon dioxide and release more and more, sure. and you get maybe this feedback, this positive feedback loop that releases more and more gases that it actually heats up Mars into a um, much more warm place, and then it melts some of the water 
and you get water vapor, which is a good greenhouse gas as well, and you can maybe restore oceans to Mars eventually, yeah. Then the plants. And then you need the plants. Well, yeah, right? and then you get plants. You start with, like, really simple things, like lichen and algae. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And those can grow. You know, once we get uh, maybe 10% of Earth's atmosphere, right now it's just under 1%, but wow. you could actually start growing lichens and, and algae and things like How that. How far so, do you think that is? Yeah, so... Uh, I would say, it's hard to say because technology changes, obviously, obviously, but with our technology, I would say that we have the technology to do something like that today, but we don't have the means to do it, if you know what I mean. So there's a huge difference between um, understanding how to do something and actually being able to do it, mostly because it's a matter of scale and cost. Right. Like, could, could we, if we devoted every you know, spare energy of our civilization to terraform Mars today, could we do it? Well, probably. Sure. But what would that mean to Earth? You right. know, we're just not going to do that. It's unrealistic. Not everyone even wants to go to Mars. Like, it's, it's not something that's actually so going to happen. technology has to advance to the point where those resources become less and less. Yeah, to, yeah right, 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 right. And once you get established there with bases, it becomes, you learn about it. You might learn, you know, better ways to do it. And but if you think, think about the technology... basic ideas about how to do it. But, but if you think about the computer that sent people to the moon being less than what we have in our iPhone today, then there's a, there, I mean, there's a rapidly escalating scale to accomplishing some of these goals within 60 years? Yeah, to some extent. So that's a little bit of a red herring, but it's, it's sure. absolutely true. I mean, so, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. Well, but. yeah, yeah, because so in the last 50, 60 years, um, there's been absolutely astonishing advances in certain areas, communications yeah. and, um, you know, computers. So we have basically the Star Trek uh, flip phone. Uh, we have sure. the uh, communicator, right? We have cooler stuff than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So in some ways, we're already past Star Trek. But in other ways, like propulsion, sure. we're, we're really not. So propulsion hasn't really changed that much in 60 years. So we're still relying on the same basic fossil technologies. Fuel stuff, right. Well, fossil fuels for, like, cars and things like that, mm -hmm. although that's changing a little bit. Uh, and airplanes, and you know, how much has a jet airliner changed in the past 60 years? Not that much. A little bit. We've got more composites now. They're a bit lighter. They're more efficient. Their engines are more efficient. So they might use two thirds of the fuel. But, yeah, but fueling but, them is the same science. Right. Exactly. So has it fundamentally changed? Not really. And that's the thing about space too. So we need like a kind of a revolution that will fundamentally change space in the same way as the electronics. But you're, you're it's totally true what you say about electronics. But that is just a small part of the puzzle for going to Mars, right? The flight computer was, you know, maybe 5% of the spacecraft, so although we can miniaturize it, how much weight does it really save? Right. Right, so, so that's the uh, impact. But obviously we're better at, you know, conducting robotic operations. Uh, and I think if we had a couple of people on Mars, they'd be able to really efficiently operate our robots. Right now we have this time delay, so that Curiosity rover, for example, yeah. it's like between five and 30 minutes of time delay. So they drive at, you know, a couple inches per hour. It, they, it goes super slowly because they're so worried about something happening. But if you have people there, um, you can, you know, almost drive it like a remote control car a little right. bit more. So you can uh, conduct really efficient robotic operations. So it's not just to have the humans walking around and exploring things. But, you know, obviously humans can uh, do a lot more on, on their own. So Curiosity River, I think, went something like 20 to 30 miles in, in you know, several years, right? human could go that distance in less than a week. No, and a human can walk that. Right, right, right. I'll walk that distance yeah. in less than a week. And you could, you know, observe things along the way. And if you have a trained geologist picking up rocks and turning them over and stuff like that, the like, information you're you can't really, like, turn over rapid. a rock. Yeah. Of course, a human doesn't have the laser that can melt through the rocks, so. No, so, so we, we're going to have to add the laser. Right, is so there, is there, is there a Is there a sense that we can add? Right. <laughs> now that you're telling me that there's ultra senses, when do we get the, the Cyclops laser from the X-Men? When do we get that? Well, you could probably just use a handheld one. But okay. what's interesting is, no, this is a real thing. People are modifying their bodies um, to add extra senses. So some animals have magneto re reception, so they can actually sense um, magnetic fields sure. of the Earth, right? So well, yeah. some birds do that, and they can actually they actually use it for navigation. But they use it for um, uh, what do you call it when they go back and forth? Uh, Just echolocation. Uh, well, no, 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 no. echolocation is different, but dolphins can obviously tell weight and migration and stuff like that. Migration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are for migration, but but humans, some and, humans and are wait, actually wait, so so birds use that magnetic sensor for migrating to the right to the flakes of our magnetic field right the, the earth's, earth's magnetic, magnetic field, field right 
they use that's they, highly they need a reception right. to figure out Where what are. direction is north, right. basically. Sure. Right. So they, they have compasses built into their brain. Sure. Let's get or their beak else. actually. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get bird brains. Some people are actually doing that. So you can um, implant a little rare earth magnet into your finger sure. and then if you're walking around in like New York City, you can sense when a subway car goes underneath the street. <laughs> Wait, like who's that. doing this? Who's like doing this? Oh, I don't know. Crazy people who want to modify Where, your body. Where'd you read this stuff? Oh, so uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, a lot of um, you know authors who are talking about real. I would want uh, that just because, like, whenever, I would but want that because whenever, whenever I drop off, whenever I drop like like too many like, I just want to get like a needle out of a out of like a stack, or like, when I drop a paperclip. You know, or like when you drop a coin and you can't really pick it up off a table because yeah, well, <laughs> like, not all coins are uh, ferromagnetic. But, I know, but uh, yeah, no, no, totally. Just you could also trying use to pick things up. I would, I would get extra senses to keep me from being clumsy. I think that's what we're telling people. It's like, you know what, Mars and all that stuff, I would be useless there. So let's just try and make me less clumsy and dangerous here on Earth. So one of the, yeah, one of the problems with adding, implanting a magnet into your finger is <laughs> you're dealing with credit cards a lot, right? Yes, and you're going to un everything. But you're going to un uh, you're, you're yes. going to demagnetize the credit card totally. strip with your finger all the time. So, so it's I'm going to put it in my toes. So don't. Don't touch your wallet. It, it, why would you put it? Wait, why are they putting it in their fingers? Why not put it in some place that is actually more directional? Like, obviously, like don't mess with your face. But <laughs> why wouldn't you put it somewhere else, like clo like closer to your core body or something? Because because or your or your feet. Well, I think it's easier to manipulate if it's on your finger. So you can like choose the direction. You can choose exactly where you're pointing I on. You can touch saying. objects. Yeah, you, you it's it sort of like your them. most dexterous. Sure. Uh, part of your body, right? So I think that's the reason. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, let's get a little better and let's put it and say, okay. All right. And, and, but what about these lasers? Let's talk about adding lasers. Is that the next step is adding lasers? Uh, I don't think so because you need a pretty significant <laughs> power intense, plant to, yeah. to do that. You need one of those Tony Stark uh, yeah. power generation. Did you read that article about how the... I forget who it was, but I think it was just Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody who was talking about just debunking the, the Avengers because he's like, how did you get something that burns that bright? into a suit next to Tony Stark and right. it would just microwave him so uh, quickly. Yeah, totally. And then how, how the Hulk, sure, you can grow in size, but your density has to stay consistent with what you were as a six-foot human. Yeah, uh, the so conservation of mass. Yeah. You would just turn into a giant marshmallow. Right, that's right. Like yeah. The Hulk would have yeah. le much less density than oh, yeah. Bruce Banner does. Yeah. He'd just be a yeah. marshmallow walking around. Yeah, no, unless there's something else that's going on that's creating all this mass. Radiation. Right. Well, no, I mean, how it does it create mass? It mass, like, right. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, well, I mean, they're not, I don't it, think. It, it's silliness. It's known no, don't for. stop watching comic book movies, folks, is what we're telling you. I'm kidding. We love comic book movies on, on KC. We absolutely love them. But it is absolute fantasy. And I love that you're talking about this stuff, um, and it's reality, and it's probably, we might start seeing a lot of it in our lifetime, you know? Oh, we are, yeah, statue, wearable right. computers. Yeah, we're all seeing this stuff. Absolutely, Oculus, yep. I mean, the Oculus stuff, do you, do you use that stuff? I mean... I have to say, I'm actually a bit of a Luddite. I don't always go out and get the latest phone and stuff. I think it's really cool. I don't think but you can. I'm still using an iPhone 5. Like, yeah. I think if you, if, you, if you get seduced into that race, yeah. then all you're really doing is bankrupting yourself in the name of capitalism. You know, or yeah. like, it's like so much of this stuff yeah. is planned obsolescence yeah. that you're really just becoming a sucker. I've tried it, though. It's pretty cool. Um, I definitely see applications for it, but I also am... You know, pretty happy with just the standard laptop, desktop, whatever. So, sure. uh, yeah. That's cool. How did you get into this stuff? How did you get into space? Space. How did I get into space? Oh, so, actually, when I was younger, uh, I actually thought space was a little boring and <laughs> there was no reason to do it. I, I really liked Star Trek, but sure. I was disappointed that we couldn't get beyond our own solar system and meet all the aliens, right? So, it's kind of, I actually used to think. Unless we can develop some kind of warp drive and go out and explore other solar systems, what's the point of going into space? Right. And then I realized that there's this middle ground of sort of hard sci-fi like Arthur C. Clarke where we go out and settle our own solar system. Sure. It's called a type two civilization, right? So there's, there's the one stuck on Earth, and then there's one in the middle, and we have to do this before going out beyond our solar system. I think we have we to can't do this because we've trashed our planet so much that we're going to need those resources. Well, I, don't, I, what do you I mean, well, so... Are we, are we that recyclable that we can start undoing some of this? I mean, I wouldn't say that it's... In the long run, yes. Well, yeah, it but the Earth will heal itself, to go but to we space. ain't going to be on it. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, going into space is not a solution to... Right. Trashing uh, the planet. Right. <laughs> right. There's definitely those things and it's easier. Space, it right. is easier to fix our problems on 
Earth than to kind of go into space. But some people right. say we should do that first, and that makes no sense whatsoever. Right. Um, can you think of, like, that's like saying Europe should have fixed all its problems before it went out to explore the world. Right. And that time, the, the problems in Europe actually motivated the exploration of the world. Sure. Like the uh, Ottoman Empire coming in and cutting off the trade routes from Asia uh, was the, the impetus for Portugal and Spain to go out and try to Absolutely. seek an alternative route. So it's like challenge that actually brings out the best in us. And if we're not challenged, we're just kind of sitting around and just watch TV or something. And that's actually one of the things that I worry about in our future is will we get so good at entertaining ourselves that we don't actually go anywhere? Mm -hmm. We don't actually go into space because we'll just kind of make sci-fi and fantasy about going to space. And I love sci-fi and fantasy, but I think it should kind of stimulate us to do real things mm -hmm. rather than just be an end in itself. Right. I worry about that when, when uh, sometimes in screenwriting people are like, oh, the script was good enough. I was like, so when do you want to make this movie? They're like, oh, no, I mean, I wrote the script. I'm happy. I'm a screenwriter. And I'm like, wait, but this is a, we live, we're working in a, in a field where it's consumer entertainment. You need to put this in front of consumers. <laughs> what do you, what, the script is not, I mean, is that, is that, are you being defensive? I, I think like sometimes screenwriters get defensive. And they're like, well, I've been rejected so many times and I'm just happy that I accomplished the script. Great, pat yourself on the back, now go make your movie. You know, it's not good enough. Get out there and push things, you know. Uh, what about our asteroid belt? Is our yeah, asteroid so, belt like like is that actually a legit form of resources? Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. So uh, platinum and other metals. So on Earth, um, a lot of the iron we get, a lot of the platinum. Actually, I think all the platinum we've ever mined on Earth actually originally comes from asteroids. Sure. That have crashed on Earth uh, because Earth is a big uh, rock, and most of the heavier elements have sunk to the core. Because it's had millennia. billions of years to uh, kind of stratify into different density layers. So even in something like a magnetic, like a, like in magma or, or something, you would, you still have like in any fluid substance, you still have the heavier stuff. Sure, sure. You have subsistence, and then you have uh, you know rising again from sure. the up 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 uh, upswell from the volcanoes and stuff like that. But but ultimately, like the the really heavy elements. Um, a lot of them came from asteroids because it's not that they're not in Earth, it's that they're not near the surface, not in Earth's crust accessible to us, right? But if you go out in space, like a one kilometer asteroid could yield like a solid ball of iron, more iron than we produce in the entire Earth. Ever. Uh, any, yeah, possibly ever. ever. Possibly ever, yeah, it's absolutely. It's just this floating piece of iron. Yeah, it's a floating ball of iron. Like, not ast all asteroids are like this. Sure, There's different course. classes of asteroids, sure. but some are basically solid balls of iron nickel, some are platinum, you know, some would kind of. If we brought one small asteroid back to Earth, it would produce more of certain types of resources, certain metallic resources, than we've ever produced in the whole history of civilization. Entire markets. Well, in some sense, <laughs> although yeah, it's true that you know platinum miners would go out of business, but it also means that we'd have access to uh, you know a vast wealth of resources. So Ooh, certainly, it could be. You know, here's can you tell what is what? Looking at the, yes. the, the spin of the asteroid belt and where things sit in the asteroid belt, belt based on centrifugal force, can you tell their weights and what they're consistency might be, what actual elements each asteroid might actually be based on where they are placed in it. So you can guess at it, and there's a couple of ways you do it. It's not based on where they are in the asteroid belt, or even where they are at all, but because it's... Because the gravity on, of the sun, I don't know. Right, no, no, but any, any object is going to orbit at the same rate around the sun. Because of zero gravity. Uh, yeah, it's just the way that, so orbital mechanics, the gravity is going to be... Sure, because you don't get denser planets getting closer. Right, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but in relation to each other... But yes, so the way gravity impacts other objects from an object in space, and the way it spins also, mm. uh, and also it's uh, spectral, it's, it's, like if it has emissions, you can tell. Sure. And also, um, it's re reflectivity, so how it reflects light, right? and how light bounces off, you can tell as well. So there's a number of clues you can use to tell an object's density and guess at its composition. Have we tried bouncing things off of it? Waves off of asteroids? Well, just the way light reflects off right. of it. So just the way sunlight so reflects off of it, you can measure. Doing the work for us. Right. Of us having to bounce something off yeah. of it. Right? So you can get a lot of information that way, and you can guess at what type of asteroid it is. That's actually how asteroids are classed, based on their spectral class. Uh -huh. There's like an M-class asteroid, so for example, but it's not the same as like Star Trek M-class planet and sure. Shaka class, but it's, uh, that, that's the uh, heavy, heavy metal-based uh, asteroids. So you got into this stuff just by being a fan of things like Star Trek, and you were like, ultimately became obsessed with the possibility of making these things real. Right. I, so I, my mom worked for an airline, so I used to fly planes a lot, and I went to Air Cadets and fl like got a pilot's license. Sure. And I really wanted to design airplanes. 
Uh, and then my best friend, he was really into Mars and space, and he's like, hey, we should like, go to Mars. I was like, why? What's the point? And Please do not tell me that guy's working at a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Please do not tell me he's working No, he's a lawyer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he motivated you. Um, so then, he's probably a pretty good lawyer. Yeah. So then um, I guess it rubbed off of me, and then I read some really influential books, uh, like The Case for Mars by mm-hmm. Robert Zubrin, which is an excellent book. I highly recommend it. And it kind of lays out why we need to go to Mars, you know, even for people on Earth, just sure. to kind of advance our civilization on Earth. And it creates this stimulus of learning and, and knowledge and um, helps us learn about our planet. You know, by studying Mars and Venus, this is how we learn about our own planet. We learn about the greenhouse effect by studying Venus. We learn about nuclear winter by learning Mars. window has had those profound effects on people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, I mean, more like Apollo, looking back, sure. Earthrise, that well, photo saw, of this of Earth. The, yeah. I mean, Richard Garriott, I'm a big fan of Richard Garriott's because I grew up as a big gamer. And he, you know, created the Ultima series, and then he became the first person with LASIK on the ISS. His mm-hmm. father was involved in the space program, and he ended up getting put on the ISS. And uh, and I think he was part of shooting that first science fiction movie on the ISS. Uh, but I remember what was important about Richard Garriott, who wasn't totally qualified to go on the ISS, is going up there was that he had LASIK, and they wanted to have him experiment the effects of LASIK on in zero G. And, 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 and I just remember in the documentary about that. Anytime you look out the window and you see our own planet, the entirety of human of humanity, it, it has to have some profound effects. That's right. Like Earth is this tiny little corner of the universe. Right. It's it, Earth is insignificant in the you know grand scheme of the universe. And just looking at the fragility of Earth from space, we see this thin, thin film of atmosphere. It, I just don't understand how anyone could look at this thin film sur- surrounding our planet and think, you know, how could humans not have an effect on that? That's right. It's outrageous. Like it's just. Well, I went to Brazil. I came back, and the U.S. had totally gone tits up. So I don't know what the hell you people were doing, but I did not expect to come back to the U.S. and have like swastikas everywhere. That's not fun. Uh, Geekscapist, I will never leave the U.S. again. I am sorry that I let this happen. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm being facetious, but honestly, uh, it's got to be concerning thinking that the pendulum has swung. Because the pendulum politically always swings in a direction that I think supports the progressive thinking and then mm-hmm. this conservative thinking in the other direction. And it's mm-hmm. concerning that we've swung, that it looks like we're swinging in a very intense other direction, you know? So is the only solution to our salvation things like a privatization of this industry? Because things like NASA and our national, I mean, are other countries funding space research in the same way that our that we have to look to private investors to do this? Well, it depends what you mean, um, what types of research. But um, so in terms of space, China is um, definitely doing a lot of great things in space. Cool. They launched a space station. They sent a rover to the moon for the first time in 30 years. Wow. Um, and, you know, they have plans to maybe go to the moon or something like that. So that there might be kind of an emerging space race that, that might actually s- stimulate our own innovation in this field. That'd be cool. That, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I mean, was The Martian a fairly accurate book? I mean, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was exciting, and I remember when he was writing it, he would post these chapters up for free and get a lot of feedback from the science community, and mm. I thought that was incredible. Um, but as a book, did you find it more fiction than fact, or vice versa? No, actually, I thought it was one of the best portrayals of space ever. I mean, there are certain issues that sure. you can nitpick at. Just like gravity, I thought it was pretty good in general. Obviously, there's certain things. Neil deGrasse Tyson pointed out a number of them, like, you know, just not really understanding that things are in different orbits and takes a lot of energy to get from one orbit to another. And you sure. Couldn't you just use that little backpack thing? Yeah, you would. Yeah, exactly. Let some air out. And yeah. Thing, you know, you're exactly. there. So yeah. Right. But, but that being said, and also just the propagation of, like, the debris cloud doesn't really, wouldn't happen in that kind of rate, but it's a movie and it's got to be exciting. So, that's fine. It would um, be more like these, this debris bouncing at things than actually like shredding through pieces. No, 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 no. It would shred it through. Would shred. Oh, yeah. I it's mean, like a bullet. It's ten times faster than a bullet stuff in space. you oh, got to remember. So, oh, it would, so that it's part the most... Is, that part's realistic. Oh, the part that's, that's not, not is that it happened in a matter of minutes and okay. it really wouldn't happen that fast because orbits are pretty far apart. Okay. Things would tend to stay in their own orbit mainly. Oh, the way like I think I'm trying to remember gravity with the way that, that the threat returned. Yeah. Within a matter of minutes. Well, that yeah, that actually is sort of realistic because sure. what they're talking about is an orbital period, so and it, it was takes against the spin of the Earth. Yeah, so it's like a, a hundred minutes or something sure. for you to get around Earth once. So it, depending on the relative rate sure. of of 
travel. That that's possible, definitely. But it just, just wouldn't propagate through all the orbits so fast necessarily. Okay. And maybe that was in low Earth orbit, but still, yeah. It, I mean, it just happened really quickly. Um, I actually have a video about the Martian and all the. I kind of point out all the science uh, facts or and also the the things they got wrong in it. Sure. Um, and that's about a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel with a number of videos Talk and ones the it. science in the what Martian. Is it? Tell, so uh, Andrew Rader, uh, YouTube slash Andrew Rader. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, uh, one, one actually I got picked up recently was Cooking on Mars. I have a cooking show. Oh, really? uh, I, yeah, so I did this one a couple years ago, Cooking on Mars with insects, uh-huh. uh, because I really think that you know it's an easy type of protein to grow on Mars in a small sure. area, low moisture, really easy to grow insects that are really healthy, a lot healthier than beef and stuff. So Absolutely. I eat all kinds of insects, scorpions and uh, crickets and so mealworms. So what's the video you're eating? Uh, yeah, I cook, cool. cook them. It's a cooking show. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the first one. And then just uh, last week, I put out another, another one, which is all kinds of different potato recipes. Well, and it's Thanksgiving today. Potatoes. So like maybe for Thanksgiving, I will scratch what I'm bringing to the Thanksgiving yeah. and just bring a bunch of crickets and stuff. Absolutely. Cricket tacos, really good. I, well, I mean, I see those videos online. And I'm like, I'll eat a freaking cricket. Yeah. I'll eat all that stuff. I mean, I'll eat anything. I mean, I, I, in, our, in our survival section of the, our zombie documentary that we put out, uh, I drank the recycled pee. You know oh, okay. I, mean? like I, did, uh-huh. I did the uh-huh. whole thing just to be like, okay, well, let's see what is well, left in here. They do that on the space station. Well, you're sure. always drinking recycled pee. Yeah, all water we drink is recycled yes. pee. Yes. You know, it just goes through like the ecosystem of the, the ocean. Way, I prefer the, the, the whale pee. I yeah. prefer certain animal <laughs> pee. There's different tastes. Dinosaurs. So, like in every glass of water, you're drinking several molecules that pass through the bladder of a dinosaur. That's cool. So we don't even have uh. to do the whole Jurassic Park thing. It's already inside of you guys. Right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so you have not seen Arrival in Geekscape. So I just want to tell you guys real quick, I, I immediately went to the theaters upon returning to the States. Not to say that I didn't see Doctor Strange again in Brazil, because I did enjoy Doctor Strange a lot. Uh, I went to see it, and I, it, the movie is still fun for me. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies, although it does kind of narratively follow the tried-and-true Marvel uh, formula. of It's very close to an Iron Man 1. You know, and this this unlikable uh, this guy who's kind of a uh, self-interested, you know, uh, elite person in his field, and he has a bit of a humbling, and he turns around for the good. So uh, I still enjoy the movie quite a bit. But I came back, and, and I had grown some interest in Arrival, which is the sci-fi movie that's out, uh, and has Amy Adams in it, and she is a communications expert. And uh, the movie is Dennis. I'm going to totally butcher his name, Villeneuve. I think it's Villeneuve, and he uh, is doing the next Blade Runner movie. He's doing the Blade Runner sequel, mm-hmm. and he had done Sicario last year, which is awesome. If you didn't see Sicario, if you didn't see Prisoners with Hugh Jackman, I definitely recommend both those movies. And now, after seeing Arrival, I realize this guy probably can't do any uh, do a bad movie. The movie uh, starts with Amy Adams, who's a, again a communications expert with languages, and the army approaches her about uh, translating these sounds that they're getting from. Uh, an object that has started to, that just suddenly these 12 objects appeared over the earth and this one is in Montana and it is emitting these sounds uh, and she wants to translate them because, uh, or they're asking her to translate them and it's not really a, a it, there's no basis in any earth language for what she's hearing and she has to, over the course of the movie, Jeremy Renner is her, uh, is a scientist who's, who's working with her on it. <laughs> yeah, our very own Hawkeye is a scientist that is working with it, and, and the movie's awesome. It just takes its time breaking down, uh, establishing uh, basically communication with another language, uh, and how you would break down a sentence in order to specifically ask for certain things. Namely, the military wants to know why are you here, what do you need from us, and uh, the part with the communication of languages and establishing an alien language in reference to Earth languages is really interesting. Where the movie starts getting more interesting, I do not want to spoil anything for you, but there's a second level to the movie uh, that reminded me a lot of the Tremalfadorians from Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, these uh, beings that can uh, that live through, they pretty much exist in all time, so if you think of yourself, uh, listener, as uh, one of these Tremalfadorians, the moment that you live in right now as you're listening to my voice is but a sliver of your entire or uh, experience, existence as an organism, the f- first moment being the moment that you were born, the last moment being the m- moment that your life is extinguished. And so you're really just this long tapeworm that lives within the, every step that you've taken your entire life. So we're just wrapping around the earth as these giant tapeworms and who you are now is just a section of it. So in that way, you exist in the future and in the past. Uh, and 
if you start to get heady with the science fiction like that, um, just be prepared for it because the movie starts to go in these really cool places. You know, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's obvious that this guy is an incredible filmmaker. I'm excited to see Blade Runner 2. It's a sequel that a lot of us did not ask for because uh, the first Blade Runner is incredible. We're getting a Blade Runner 2, and I'm really, really excited that it's in his hands because he has yet to make a bad movie. This one is really good. So science fiction fans, space fans, and just film fans, if you guys are listening to this, go see that movie. It's really good. Uh, real quickly, I'll also tell you that I had to see the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them because this is Geekscape. And a lot of you guys are Harry Potter fans. Uh, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, uh, but I definitely want to see it because it's a huge cultural icon. And hey, people are going to be like you guys are going to be talking about it. Uh, and if you are a Harry Potter fan, our own uh, our, our new writer Joel put up a love letter to Harry Potter fandom up on the website. It's up right now, so if you guys go to Geekscape.net, you can read it. I'm not in the camp that loved this movie. I really appreciated the movie. I think it's impressive. It definitely deserves the sequels it'll no doubt get. But uh, the the plot of the movie is uh, Freddie Redmayne is, uh, you know, he comes from Hogwarts and, he, and he's in the 1920s U.S. and he lands in the U.S. And uh, now it's the United States. We've seen England. We've seen Harry Potter, his world. And he's got this trunk that is full of fantastic beasts. And in a turn of events, the trunk is, take, is lost to him. And the worst thing that can possibly happen with so many muggles running around in New York City is the trunk is opened and some of these beasts have escaped. And now he has to go about uh, with the help of Dan Fogler's character, who's not magical and is in wonder of all these things, wonder or horror, uh, they have to start putting these beasts back. And that part is impressive. Like a lot of the, the special effects and all this stuff is impressive. If you want to see the movie in 3D, you probably should. Um, what I didn't love about the movie is that they take a lot of time doing that when there's a, a main plot point of a major threat in the city already going around running, ravaging the city and killing people. And it seemed like that, which is the major threat of the film beyond also putting these animals back together, there wasn't really a bunch of urgency to either of those things. Uh, so there was a lot of wonder, a lot of uh, showing you some very cool animals, some very cool magical beasts, and some really cool sequences. But the urgency of actually having to put those things back in the box, uh, I think, uh, got Yeah, it just felt like it took a while. And on top of that, the major threat of people actually dying and buildings being destroyed took a back seat to that plot line. So um, I appreciated the movie a lot, especially on technical levels, and I think Freddie Redmayne can do no wrong as a performer. There's a lot of amazing performances in this movie. When you think about the fact that he was performing against a bunch of uh, tennis balls for most of these scenes, he's probably performing against things that are, do not exist. And his physical performance is incredible. So go see that, and you'll appreciate it on that level. And I'm, I will totally see a sequel to this movie, but this one just didn't quite have the narrative engine to keep me excited. I was also jet lagged, but I'm not going to knock. That's not. I'm not going to knock this one up to jet lag. The movie just needed a little bit more uh, going for it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it, though. So those are my quick reviews. Um, I want to mention again, Andrews. Uh, Kickstarter guys. The, the book you're looking for is Mars Rover Rescue. It's up on Kickstarter now. It only has a few days left in it. Go ahead and get the reward that you can also ask for a second book because if you have, are, are new to Andrew's world, you're going to want the first book. So if you can get two or more books, get the uh, first one, MC Longnecks Epic Space Adventure, and get that for, what would you say the best ages are for this book? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty young. It's alphabetical and rhyming. So mm -hmm. each page has a different letter of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably kind of one to six or seven. Oh, geez, that's really young. Yeah, it's really young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're starting them, like, you're starting them early on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really young. So it's parents reading or learning to read. Sure. Right? So, and actually, the two-book level is the mission patches. Um, so we're, that's actually the next stretch goal. I see, like, it's pretty, you know, simple, easy to understand, really big images. It's for, like, really, you know, young, young kids. kids. So yeah. it's like if you have nephews or something like that. Uh, although I think it's kind of fun for adults even, so just like, yeah, you know, bit beautiful big images awesome. and stuff like that. So yeah. one to six, I would have thought that, that this would be a little older simply because of the headiness of the, of the subject matter, but yeah. what you're doing is breaking it down. No, it's, one to six. It's, it's a kid's book, definitely a kid's book. Um, now, we are thinking of kind of expanding it to sort of track generations in a sense and sure. maybe kind of get a little bit older for what we're going to follow up with. Sure. Um, we're thinking of kind of... Uh, illustrated comic series or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure where we're going to go, but some, something like that, maybe a little bit older. I would like to turn this into uh, Star Trek for kids, a little like bit a older kids series. than cartoon series, which would be maybe for like, I don't know, 8 to 
12 kind of sure. kind of age sure. range, something like that. So it'd be basically, it'd be like Star Trek, but with animals. A little bit of narrative, but a whole lot of science and fact. Yeah, oh, a lot of narrative and sure. uh, science and fact also. So it'd be kind of like uh, realistic. You know, Star Trek is fairly sure. realistic. So the same kind of order of things like rescue ships from black holes and deal with AI threats and stuff like that. I love it. I think that's cool. Um, again, guys, go to the Kickstarter. Look for Andrew's name, Andrew Rader. And the book you're looking for is Mars Rover Rescue. It's an epic space adventure, which is the series, right? Like the yep, name the, series, the name of the series is, is Epic Space epic Adventure, space but the first adventure. book is just Epic Space Adventure, like cool. Star Wars. Cool. Although it's New Hope. <laughs> we're, we're starting it on New Hope, and, uh, and he, he has no intentions to remake it in the seventh episode. <laughs> you know, just my slight criticism of episode seven, which I did enjoy, and I'm very excited to get my Rogue One tickets. Uh, Geekscape is, um, real quick, the reason you might be noticing, like, hey, Jonathan's not in the T Radio V studio. T Radio V is moving studios, and they'll be open in January. Uh, if you guys like these interviews where I basically do an, uh, uh, an episode where I'm just sitting with somebody and chilling out and talking movies, video games, comics, science, all that stuff, let me know because I can do more of them. Uh, I, can, uh, you know, I love the T-Radio V people. I love being in a studio and I love co-hosting with Kenny. But if you guys want some of these different episodes, let me know because for now I've mainly just been doing them with Ian whenever a Marvel or a DC movie comes out and we need Ian and his vast comic book knowledge to break down why the movie worked or didn't. One thing I will also mention is that we still have the sponsor Loot Crate, and I've got some Loot Crates here. There were four of them waiting for me when I returned from, uh, from Brazil. So real quick, Andrew, you can have whatever you want in these Loot Crates, but I'm going to open them because if you guys go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape and use the promotional code Geekscape, you guys can get a uh, discount on your order. Uh, these loot crates may be from October, they may be from November, but I'm opening up. This first one is a loot crate anime, and it's got all sorts of stuff in it. Uh, the first one is, I don't know the name of this little guy, but he's a little egg yolk with bacon on it, and he's one of my favorite guys, so I may, I may hold on to him. Okay, so, so this next one might be cool for you Naruto fans. It is a bowl that you guys can eat ramen out of. Uh, but I can put pictures of this up on the site, but it's a pretty cool little bowl. I don't eat a whole lot of ramen outside of a restaurant, but if you make some at home, this is probably the one you want. Uh, again, guys, this one comes out of a loot anime box, so if you're an anime fan, you probably already should get a, a subscription to this. Um, there is a, this is funny, uh, Food Wars, there's a Kumba, uh, what does it say? I, guys, I'm so not first in anime, and you know what? Our own Natalie Kipper is gonna write up a uh, unboxing on our website, so go to geekscape.net, and you can actually see photos of some of this stuff. But if you're a manga fan, uh, there's a Sweetness and Lightning uh, book one in here, so you guys can get some manga. And each one of these boxes has like a phone token. Uh, it's usually got a poster. Uh, and then there's things like, there's, there's always a, a manga book in here and a, a couple stickers and a shirt. So almost every loot crate that you get is gonna have a shirt in it. Um, but I like this little guy. Andrew, if there's anything in here you want, feel free. The next thing I'm going to open is like the core loot crate. Um, this one is, um, I don't know what the theme is, but I'm guessing there's a mask on it. Oh, you brought me scissors. Thank you, sir. I covered the scissors with the loot crate and didn't see it. Um, this one is a loot crate box, uh, and it's the core one. So if you guys just wanted a core loot crate, I think it's like uh, just a few dollars a month. Again, use the Geekscape promo code and you'll end up with a discount. This is for Halloween, so it's got a zombie thing going on. It's Walking Dead theme, so when you get this box, you're gonna see that there's a Walking Dead premiere photo of Negan in front of everybody. If you guys wanna relive that sadistic episode. <laughs> um, and did you notice how many Negans were at Stan Lee's Comic Con? Like, like there were a lot of Negan. Negan is the dude from. Walking oh yeah, yeah. I just saw it in SNL, so the SNL remake with oh, uh, Chappelle. That was amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was, was one funny. of the funniest things ever. Yeah. Chappelle celebrating all the characters from the Chappelle show with the Negan character. I actually just watched this first awesome. season of Walking Dead, but I got too scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that's cool for you horror fans is that there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface like plushie. That's kind of cute. So if you're a fan of. Uh, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's cool. Um, the shirt this month, though, is, again, a bit sadistic. I might just wear it to piss off the people in my life who did not enjoy that episode, but it, it is a t-shirt that says, The Negan Sluggers, and it's got Negan with his own Lucille, and it's like a baseball shirt, but for if your team is Negan. So it's the Negan Sluggers baseball shirt, and it's pretty hilarious in a very sick, sadistic way, because... I mean, that episode was uh, 
got a lot of criticism. Uh, there, uh, you get, remember when you go to camp and you get those like, or, or in your high school, you get like the the, the flags that you uh, the little pendant, that, uh, the pendant, the pendant that you get put up on the wall. This one says Camp, camp Crystal Lake from Friday Thirteenth. Oh, it's got some blood on it. That one's kind of cool. There's a like a camp pendant. Uh, there's also a book that is Regrettable Supervillains. Um, this looks like featuring 50 strange supervillains in the history of comics. So this is a cool book about supervillains and maybe some of the vague ones like the Seaweed Queen. I don't think she hung out very long. I don't think she was, she didn't exactly turn into the, the, uh, the Joker. Uh, and then there was Animal Vegetable Mineral Man who I guess made an appearance in Doom Patrol. Uh, and uh, the Blue Beetle at once, bought, once fought the Praying Mantis Man. Why can't you just have a villain called the Praying Mantis? Adding like man just makes it seem like, okay, no, mm -hmm. stop it. You know, there's plenty of villains who are like the Jackal, but if it was the Jackal Man, I think you would have a problem. Um, what about Batman? Batman, Batman man. He's Batman. I think. You could just, you know what? Call it, him the Bat. I mean, it, it might just be, be syllables. Information. I think yeah. if you yeah. just have syllables, yeah, you're right, you're right. a problem. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's a there's a there's, yeah. a there's a scale. There's a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, this is crazy. What are these? Freddy Krueger. <laughs> these are Freddy Krueger chopsticks. <laughs> so <laughs> these are Freddy Krueger chopsticks, and the holder uh, appears to be coming out of his hand. So, so he's got two claws and extended claws. And the claws of the chopsticks. Chopsticks. Uh, there's a zombie mask that comes as part of this box uh, that you can wear. It's a Walking Dead zombie mask. It's kind of gross. And, that looks um, like Anakin Skywalker. And, it uh, totally looks like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> in Revenge of the Clones. No, no, Remember? in uh, Return of the Jedi Return at the end, Jedi, where he takes like, off Darth Vader's mask. Let me see you with my own But boss. it's actually a zombie, yeah. Uh, there is a John uh, Carpenter's Halloween uh, pin that you can get, and there's a poster or a book. So, guys, that is what comes in the uh, loot crate from last month. That is a horror crate. I don't know if you can still get it, but you know what? Go ahead and get a subscription, and you will be on the receiving end of the next cool thing. Okay, we're busting through these loot crates, because again, guys, I was out of town for almost a month, and the people at the post office were like, hey, we're going to steal this stuff if you don't get through it. So the next thing I'm going to get open is the loot crate gaming, and again, Andrew, if you want any of this, please partake in it. Um, the Loot Crate Gaming. Are you a gamer at all? Yeah, I am. Definitely. More, mostly like PC stuff, sure, strategy what you stuff. Uh, well, like Civilization. Sure. You know that kind sure. of thing? Yeah. Civilization is like one of the tried and true. has been with us for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those amazing games. Space games. Star Wars games sometimes. Uh, what was the space game that you had to dial in a BBS? Remember uh, when it, remember what oh, yeah, was it? Oh, what you're was talking it? about uh, Trade Wars. Trade Wars. Oh, my God, I love that. Remember, remember Drug awesome. Wars? There was Drug Wars and uh, there was Trade Wars. Is that the one where you, like, hire different kinds of... Because Drug Wars was basically Trade Wars where you want to yeah. buy low and sell high. Uh -huh, uh -huh, the Trade uh -huh. Wars was... Trade Wars is awesome. Trade Wars is amazing. You, get your, you buy your own planet and sure. your ship and fleet. Yeah, yeah Trade Wars awesome. is incredible. Yeah. Um, so this is the Loot Crate Gaming for October that I'm opening. And I just got to let you guys know, it's got a Reaper from Overwatch. So if you guys are playing Overwatch... I actually played some Overwatch in Brazil because our, our second cameraman, our big cameraman, brought his PS4 and hooked it up and was playing Overwatch in the hotel. Um, there's a Titanfall uh, shirt in this one, guys, and what I hear is that Titanfall 2 is, fixes all the problems from Titan 1, Titanfall 1, so enjoy it. I enjoy these gloves. Look at these gloves because I'm a big Sonic uh, Hedgehog fan. There are these gloves that say Game Over with Dr. Robotnik on them. There's a Mario... Uh, magnet for Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, there are Pac-Man adhesive bandages, so if you guys get injured, you can at least cover your cuts with Pac-Man on it. Uh, and this is the Rumble box, so this one has a little bit of uh, a battle going on. These socks, what are these socks? These are Zelda socks, which are kind of cool. I'm a huge Zelda fan. These have Ganondorf, and it's the Ganon from Wind Waker. So I will probably be sporting these Ganon socks in a social event where it's completely inappropriate one day. Uh, and I look forward to that. My students notice my, so when I'm a college professor, sometimes I sit and I talk to the class and I fold my legs and my, 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 like you're doing now, my socks become, mm -hmm. my socks become visible and people are like, are you wearing duck hunt socks? <laughs> yeah, like, nice. Yes, I, I, I have Star Trek socks. I wear a lot. In case you didn't know, I, I was, you know, I think one of these loot crates, the loot wear, I got a, uh, I got Deadpool socks and I was wearing those yesterday. So, Geeks gave us again, that's the Loot Crate Gaming, and there's all sorts of prices up on the LootCrate.com site. Go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape and put in Geekscape as a promo code and get it. Okay, now this is the big one. This is the Loot Crate DX. It's a little more expensive. It's bigger. It's way heavier. This one's got the good toys. 
So if you're not happy with some of the stuff that you see in the regular Loot Crate, you probably want to upgrade to Loot Crate DX. And sorry about the section that is just a giant advertisement for Loot Crate, but you know what? They hook us up and they love us. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them some shout outs. All right, Geekscapers, here we go. I'm turning this one over. There should be pictures of this up, but Loot Crate DX. I'm opening it, and immediately I like what I see because the box is painted with John Carpenter's The Thing yeah. on it, and there is a, a, a listen. There's a zombie mug that says "Warning, Coffee Dweller Zombie Mug." You want to open this? Show That's me pretty what cool. It is. Yeah, yeah. Show, open that. Uh, there is a stand-up from The Thing. It's when The Thing is like amalgamating people together and like switching their faces. Yeah, horror fan will love this. I don't know if I could stand to see this on my desk because I'd be too creeped out by it. But I love the thing. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if I want this on my desk. What is this? What's the mug? It's like blood. It's the guy in the, coming out of the blood pool. Oh, so listen, you fill this thing up with, with coffee and as you drink it, there's a zombie that becomes more visible as oh, yeah, you yeah, deplete yeah. the, the coffee. coffee. Goes down. That's so, yeah, as the coffee goes down, you start to see a, a blood covered Not zombie for in your coffee mug. Yeah, I don't know if that's safe for work. <laughs> that's, that's messed up. I don't know, dude. If you didn't, there's also an Ash versus Evil Dead chainsaw power bank, so it's like a bank. I guess I used this bank you'd put coins in, and uh, let me say, I'm opening this chainsaw thing. You're an Evil Dead fan. I love the Evil Dead, but you put in this bank, and oh, it's a USB bank. What is this? It, yeah, it's a chainsaw power bank for USB. It doesn't put coins in it. Oh, yes, yeah, so it's I'm like for your phone. It's I'm like a, a battery a, for your phone. I'm such a Luddite that it's a power bank for your phone. So you walk around with this little mini mm. chainsaw yeah. to power your phone. <laughs> the one that I was using had totally died in Brazil. So this is really helpful to me. I can walk around with a little chainsaw in my pocket. You might which, cut yourself on the yeah, big you, blade, though. You actually think I'll get through customs this time? <laughs> See, if I'm walking around with a mini chainsaw, not going to happen. It comes with a USB cable in it. That's kind of cool. I like that the, the, they get creative with these loot crates. So here we go. And then there's a shirt from, oh, this is a sweater. There's a screen oh, sweater. Screen. That, Edward Munch. It's amazing. It actually looks like, uh, look at it's incredible. Look at that. Looks like the classic painting, and but it has the scream. Yes. Person on it. You guys know the scream painting. Yeah, yeah. And now it's the scream painting done with the actual scream character in it. That's awesome. It's kind of cool. And then of course Full Moon Films has given a post uh, a copy of their magazine Delirium. Uh, and there's a Hellraiser pen, and an Evil Dead two poster. So, man, fans of Evil Dead really made out on this one. If you're a fan of Evil Dead. The thing and uh, yeah. zombies, the zombies. Walking Dead, the Walking Dead. Walking Dead. It's pretty cool. Okay, Geekscapist. That's it. If you want all this stuff, you got to go to lootcrate.com and sign up. Use the promo code Geekscape, and you will be better off for it because you'll save money. Um, Andrew, take any of this stuff you want. Yeah, for uh, sure. The main thing is you guys got to go to the Kickstarter and look for this uh, book. Okay, you only got a few days left to do it, but it's Mars Ro Rover Rescue. That was loud. It's Mars Rover Rescue. Go ahead and get the stretch goal where you get a second book in order the first book, which is MC Longneck's Epic Space. And then we get Mission Patches. That's the next. Oh, really? Yeah, stretch goals, Mission Patches. So everyone cool. who gets two is going to get a little Mission Patch they can put in their backpack. or. If you're one to six years old, whatever. in a year or two, you guys are going <laughs> to start going to school, and a Mission Patch would be really cool to put on your backpack. So you've already started preschool. You're going to start going into the grades. Put a Mission Patch on there. Yeah, you're going to be the coolest kid in school. You will be the coolest kid in school. Were you cool in school being into all this? Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> if you're listening to Geekscape, that really was not our lot at all. <laughs> we, we were, yeah, I, I think I did all right by the end. I, I was in a Teenage Mutant right Ninja Turtles club. That's fucking I was Donatello, awesome. yeah. Of course you were Of course you We were all Donatello. had our own weapons, you know. Of course you were Donatello. <laughs> yeah. The one who likes machines? Exactly. Yeah. Of course you were Donatello. So I had a bow staff. I was really proficient. I was like that Star Wars <laughs> Wait, kid. Did you ever see the Star Wars kid? Yeah, the one who's like yeah. swinging the... Yeah, yeah, finger? that was me. <laughs> Jesus. I love it, though. Uh, Mikey was always my guy, because I think I, I, I envisioned myself as being cooler than I was. Yeah. <laughs> He's the party guy. I was like, yeah, but you're not, so quit it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are pretty cool. Yeah, but I was going to hit myself <laughs> in the face with nunchucks. Wait, you actually made weapons? Yeah. Well, my friend just bought a, a Daisho, like the yeah, yeah. Leonardo one, so he right. does Leonardo. Uh, but did he buy a friend, sword? 
Yeah, you can buy swords. Yeah, you buy a sword. Sure, right. you bought the swords. Uh, sword side, actually. It's a katana and uh, another one. I forget the sure. name of the it's other one. It's a shorter sword. Short, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, nunchucks, you can just like grab sure. some sticks and sure. get a chain, right? But and then Donatello's staff, that's super easy. We never found a Raphael. No, we never found, never a, the, found, found the size. Find. Yeah, exactly. Well, we never okay. even had a Raphael. I think, you know, it's like that first movie where he runs off on his own, so it's sure. just the three of us. Ralph is a bit of a stick in the mud. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, Andrew, I loved having you on the show, dude. Geekscape, as you guys can find him on Twitter, Andrew Raider. Just search for it. He's on Twitter. He's got that YouTube channel. I got to see him eat bugs. And uh, you have a, a website too. Yeah, Andrew Dash. Yeah, Andrew Dash Raider. Dot com. And you post about all this stuff on there. Uh, yep, for sure. Cool, man. So read about it. Uh, I love bringing you guys a science episode. I'm back. I won't go back to Brazil. Uh, and we'll talk about the movie later when uh, Guy returns and we can talk about it in depth with the director. But uh, Geekscape is go to geekscape.net. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. All that stuff. I love you guys. Thank you guys for being with us. And again, let me know if you guys like these one-on-ones or if you guys want us back in the T-Radio studios. I like doing both. I just like communicating with you guys because now, guess what? We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. Wow. Um, insane. We started this thing in 06, and I haven't found anything better to do since. So love you guys. You guys make it possible, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you, and thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye, guys.